Good morning again, everybody. Uh, I just want to quickly introduce our guest this morning. As you know, at Connect, um, or should have experienced if you've been here for any length of time, um, the people that I have come into uh, Connect, I'm very protective and selective about the people that come in and speak to you because I, I feel a tremendous sense of responsibility to lead you well. And um, as a church, we've, we've pretty much years ago made a decision uh, to be very careful about just the itinerant speakers that can come in and out and really just make sure that we have a relationship with the people and that we're friends with the people that come in to Connect Community Church. But I want you to know today um, is different. Today, um, I have a family member coming to church today to speak to you. Uh, Jason Goslin and his beautiful wife, Lilia, are uh, family to me uh, and to my wife and to my kids. Um, uh, he's a son of really, in many respects, a spiritual son of mine. Um, for a while, we thought he was a physical son uh, because he practically lived at our house for a, a number of years. Uh, it took him a while to get comfortable with that situation, but uh, he's the kind of guy that just come in and grab something from the refrigerator and speak into our kids' lives and uh, spank Devin when he was bad. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, but uh, he had full permission. <laughs> Still does. But uh, this is a family member. This is a son of this ministry, uh, really a spiritual son to Stacy and I, and it's with great pleasure and uh, great anticipation that I uh, introduce him to you. Would you please stand to your feet and just give the warmest connect welcome you can for one of our own, one of our family, Jason Goslin. Come on, Jay. All right, have fun. Have fun. We are home. Yeah. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. If I wasn't feeling pressure before, I'm feeling it now. And how many know it would be really weird if I was to spank Devin now? That would be weird, right? Go for it. Go for it. Keep an eye on her, Dev. Keep an eye on her. Well, it is awesome to be back. I, almost, I told Pastor Derek when, before I came up here, it's almost, I don't know if I want to follow Vanessa. You know, just my goodness. And I knew I didn't, I definitely didn't want to follow Devin after last week. How many watched Devin's message last week? Are we here for that? If only I was that comfortable at 21 years old to get up on a platform and speak to people. What an awesome, awesome job you did. Yikes. I'm going to just struggle getting through a lot of stuff today, just so you know. But that, whew. all right, back to the notes. That's why these are here. That's why these are here. But it's awesome to be back. I was, uh, Lilia, my wife Lilia, can you stand, Lilia? Say hi to everybody. She's seven months pregnant. It's another thing I'll struggle to talk about, but baby girl Goslin's on the way, whether I am ready or not, um, whether I am ready or not. And I just, you know, there's people that love to talk about pretend marriages between kids. You've been around these people, they got toddlers, they're like, one day they'll get married. I'm just saying, if you have a son, I'm not interested. <laughs> I'm just, I'm not there. I'm not a violent person, but certain things come to the surface when people like to talk about pretend weddings between toddlers just not there, so don't go there with me yet. Um, but Lily and I got to lead the youth ministry here for six years. Um, a lot of the, the young people that I see, it's awesome to see them. It's, it was a great privilege and honor to be part of youth ministry. How many of you know youth ministry works? Youth ministry works. It's, whew, I'm a baby. I'm a baby. But to see Devin do this, to see De uh, Brennan on the front row, all these young people that are just doing great things, youth ministry is worth it. So if you are part of the youth ministry team here at Connect or thinking about getting involved in youth ministry, do it. Do it. You are speaking to future pastors future husbands and moms and wives and all these people that are going to do great things. You just plant the seed. God will water it. He will make it grow, and you will see great things happen. So if you're in youth ministry here, we love you. We love you if you're in youth ministry here. If you're thinking about it, do it. Please, please do it. But before I jump in, let me just honor Pastor Derek and Stacy. Uh, I don't know if Stacy's here yet. But she'll probably be here second service. So Pastor Derek, a lot of you guys know him, obviously. Um, I just want to assure you the biggest muscle in this man's body is his heart. 
<laughs> Get him off the platform. He's a sniveling mess. <laughs> but for those of you that know Pastor Derek, I assure you the biggest muscle in his body is his heart. He, he loves with grace and mercy. He's an amazing pastor. I'm already ignoring the countdown, just so you guys know. I'm already ignoring that. Um, but I do want to let you guys know that your pastor is, he's, he's right. He was a spiritual father for me. I'm just going to move on. <laughs> but I should, he, he loves his church. And he doesn't just love his church, he loves the church. A lot of pastors are about their church, their niche. Pastor Derek loves the church, the church that Christ envisioned when he went through what he went through for all of us. He loves the church. And takes it seriously to, to have a local expression of that church here at Connect. And I hope you appreciate him because he loves you. And it's not just about the platform for him. He's about the people. He's about you. He talks fondly of his church all the time. And he doesn't want to be famous. He wants a, fam a family as a testimony. And you saw some of that last week. And I believe you'll see it more in the future with his daughters. And his wife speaking two weeks ago. What a testimony. That's the family he wants. That's the family he pursues. And as a result, he has influence here. And it's awesome. So if you appreciate your pastors, Pastor and Stacey, give it up for them one time. They're worthy of it. They deserve it. Man. So I'm going to jump in. I want to share a message with you guys. I got into, those are some of you that don't know me. Uh, my name is Jason Gosling. He said, uh, my wife and I attend Lifesong Church, which was planted out of previously Metro West Worship Center, but Connect, about almost seven years ago this fall, which is awesome. We've been there for about two years, and together we oversee the dream team there. We get to kind of oversee process and assimilation and, and growth track and get people plugged into fits where they can be used, and they can use the gifts God's given them from the beginning. So we love the opportunity we're given there. We also get to attend church with our whole family, which is an awesome blessing. We just got back from the Cape with my side of the family, my mom, dad, my brother, his wife, their two kids, my sister, her fiance, my wife, and her belly. We were all at the Cape. Um, I say that with love, dear. She knows that. But we were all together at the, at the Cape, and we get to just, I get to be with my niece and nephew every week at church. It's just an amazing thing to know that my little daughter will be with her cousins every week. Lilia's sister and her husband and their two daughters go there. So we are surrounded by not just a spiritual family that extends all the way here to connect, but our physical family every week. So we love, 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 love what we get to do at Lifesong. But it is an honor a true honor to be back here at Connect, to share with you a message we did as part of a series. Starting Easter Sunday, this past Easter, we did a series called Re. Um, we like to be a little creative, sometimes to the point of, you know, you need an explanation. What does Re mean? Why are you using two letters? But we started with a message called Redo on Easter Sunday. And we talked about getting a do-over, a fresh start. We talked about resigning from things before you can start things well. But you have to resign from them in a healthy way. You can't just quit and expect to start something well over here. You have to resign in a healthy way. We talked about recalling what God has done, giving us hope and faith for what he can do in the future. If we don't remember what he's done or share what he's done, we can't envision and get excited about what he can do. So we talked about recalling. And then I got to share a message called Reroute. And I'm going to share that with you today. It's about getting back on course in life towards a plan that we believe that God has had, from you, had for you before you even a thought in anyone else's life and getting back on track. So would you pray with me as I jump into that? God, thank you first and foremost for who you are. Thank you for what you've done already. Thank you for what you want to do. I pray that this message is no longer about me, but it is about you and every person in this place that desperately needs to hear from you in a real, life-changing way. May not a single person leave here the same as they were when they walked in because they encountered not just God, but the living God and the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. I thank you for the opportunity you've given us to, to study your word and to, to get into your word in freedom. I thank you for the worship part of our service. I thank you for the team here at Connect. I thank you for every person in every seat 
May the prayers that have been prayed for so long for each person in this place bear fruit today in Jesus' name. And everyone said a great big amen. 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 Well, I am excited if you haven't figured it out yet. I promise I won't cry through the whole thing. Um, but I do want to talk to you about reroute. How many of you guys have a bad sense of direction? Anybody get lost a lot? You guys are my people. I got some nods. I got some giggles. You and I can get along just fine. All right, I'm kind of lost. I don't know if I could point to Pleasant Street if you paid me. Just being inside a building, I know wall, wall, exit. I'm good. Okay, I got my bearings there. How many of you guys have a good sense of direction? I don't hate you. I'm just being honest. I, but I have a hard time loving you. Okay, you and I, you and I wouldn't get along all that great. But for me, directions, I'm awful. Okay, I'm, I'm terrible. When, I, when I'm driving, you guys that don't have a good sense of direction, when you're driving and you start to feel a little lost, right, laughter and joy need to stop. The radio gets shut off. Everyone needs to, to stop because I'm navigating. And I'm doing it for you. So if you make it hard, I'm, I'm just not going to be happy. I'm navigating. Driving into Boston, I hate driving into Boston. Okay? I just, it just, it's just, there's nothing intuitive about it. I don't want to get derailed. But you get into Boston and there's just one ways and you miss turns. It's just, I'm miserable. And my poor wife has a good sense of direction. So I count on her a lot when it comes to navigation. Okay? And she likes to just, she's so calm about it. But she knows I get stressed out. And she's, you know, we've been married five and a half years now. So she knows when I'm stressed. And when I get stressed, she gets a little stressed. So we're driving, you know, white knuckles on the wheel. Don't know where I'm at. The radio's off. Laughter and joy have already been corrected. She's been reprimanded for smiling at least twice. <laughs> and I'm, and, and little, I, she knows any direction, but she's a pointer. She doesn't say left, right. She just kind of points. And, and at, a, at an intersection, I can figure it out because if she points with her left hand, she probably means left. If she points with her right hand, she probably means right. I can figure that out. But at forks in the road, when really the only direction is straight, I need a left or a right. And she just likes, Lilia, which way? <laughs> I need a left or a right. Because I'll just go straight into the median. I, just, I need a direction. <laughs> left, go left. I'll just say that. It's awful. It's awful for me. And I get all stressed. I mean, I'm stressed now. I'm, I mean, if you can't tell, I'm sweating. Just telling that story. It's a brutal, brutal thing for me. And the worst test for me is um, detour signs. Oh, you're already enjoying this. Great. So you're driving, you don't know where you're going. If I know where I'm going, if I'm coming here, work, school, whatever, I got it. I know my route. I know I do this, do this. But you throw a big old detour sign in front of you, I freak out. And if I'm being honest with you, I get up to the intersection. I'm just going to fix this for a sec. I get up to the detour sign, and I lie to the police officer right away. <laughs> judgment. I can feel the judgment coming. It's okay. <laughs> so I get there, I'm like, officer, hi, how you doing? I, I live right there. Can I, can I bypass this detour? No? Oh. Thanks for everything you're doing. I appreciate it. I just, you know, now I'm never going to get home. I'll, I'll take a left. But a detour signs. He said, you know, I got to go straight, but I'm, tell, I'm saying go left. The most nervous I get is in between detour sign one and detour sign two. Because how do I know it's even there? I grew up in a small town where we moved detour signs because it was funny. <laughs> so now I'm stuck. I'm just reaping what I've sown. This is just the Bible coming to fruition in my life. I'm reaping what I've sown. It's awful. How do you know detour sign number two is there? Because you, you just don't. You just don't. I'm, I'm glad that I'm getting giggles. That means you guys understand what's going on. But as far as sense of direction, too, how many guys go hiking? If you don't have a sense of direction, it's worse. It's, that's the worst point for me is to be hiking. If you have no sense, of, you, you're already laughing because you're picturing me hiking. Is that what's going on? But you go into the woods. You know, Callahan State Park's not far from us. We go to the trailhead. There's a map that's, you know, a thousand years old probably. It was written in when whoever. It's an 18 folds, very small print. You look up and all you see is pine trees. And this little piece of paper that's faded, wet, damp, chewed on, who knows what, is telling you, I can get you back. You enter the woods, 
And you immediately, for me, I lose all frame of reference. I have no idea where left, right is. You're just in trees, and it's like there's snakes, there's animals, there's ticks, and fl- you're just awful being in the woods. The woods are an awful place. <laughs> so you got this map, you're looking for the red dot trail or the blue triangle trail, or some, some trails have like hieroglyphic hikers you're looking for. And you're in the woods, you're looking for this stuff, and I'm just terrified. I don't know which way is back. I don't know which way is north. I'm trying to find the moss on the tree. I'm trying to find which way the sun's going. I'm terrified. And my wife's like, isn't this fun? No! It's not fun. You and I could both collapse and no one would know. Oh, look, it's a deer. Shoot it, kill it, we need food. You have no idea how long you're going to be in the woods. The woods are the worst place in the world. You're wearing wool socks, you're hot. It's just awful. Hiking is the worst. It's the worst. And really when I figured out I was bad at directions is when I first got my license. How many of you guys are just, you know, how many of you guys have your license? <laughs> Sometimes I just start asking questions. I'm not really sure what the end point is. Sorry. But I got my license and I was excited to drive to school. I wanted to pick up my best friend. I grew up in Douglas, Massachusetts, right? He lived in Sutton, so a little north, the next town north. It's not a hard trip to figure out. I get my license and I'm excited to go drive and get him. And I pull out of my driveway, take my left, See how I turn? I need to be facing the way I'm talking about because I'm so bad at this. I'll stop. So you're driving to Sutton, and you know, from Douglas to Sutton, you've got to come up a hill, and you've got to get on 146. 146 north, you take one, you know, one exit up, you got Sutton. All I know is when you come up that hill, I'm looking for 146. The first 146 sign from Douglas to Sutton is 146 south. I just know I'm looking for 146. Pull up, pull on it, 146 Let's crank this, crank my window down. Let's, my window's on my left, sorry. You go this way. <laughs> so I'm driving, 146 South. My brother's with me. He doesn't say a word. See a sign that says, welcome to Rhode Island. <laughs> and rather than be, this isn't like, oh gosh, I took South. I should have taken North. I don't figure it out on my own. I look at my brother and say, since how, do we, have, have we always gone through Rhode Island to get to Sutton? <laughs> <laughs> And he's like, no, 14 years old at the time, he's like, no, you took south, you should have gone north. It's like, where were you 25 minutes ago, bro? Like, awful, terrible, terrible. And what it, what it did for me is it realizes there's these tools that help you kind of navigate. You ever use an atlas? Like the big oversized atlas, the one you can't take on a road trip because it'll block your whole field of vision. And if you use it while you drive, you will die. My dad used to use that, highlight circles. Awful, really wasn't functional, multiple pages for states. Didn't really work. And then how about MapQuest? Use MapQuest, 1996, that about came out. MapQuest stinks, okay? You miss a turn, that paper don't recalculate nothing. (laughs) You're done. Or if it ever did work for me, I got to where I wanted to go, I couldn't get home. He's thinking on the fly, like, okay, no. So finally they have a return trip button, two sets of directions you can get home. But you miss a turn, just wasn't really a great thing. 2007, heavens parted and I got my very first GPS right? You can just drive, it reroutes, recalculates you, you miss a turn, it's like, oh, recalculating. Peace of mind. Just recalculate. Bing bong, turn left. You got it. You never, you always know where you're at. And and GPS for me was life-saving, life-changing. But this whole sense of lost direction and not knowing where we're at got me thinking about life. Situations, conversations, relationships, conflict, familial stuff. Just getting lost. Not knowing where you took the wrong turn, not being able to recalculate, not knowing if you'll ever get back, not knowing where you missed a turn, but just knowing that you're in a position where you feel uneasy, stressed, lost. And I began to think about, you know, like we talked about, I was in youth ministry for six and a half years, conversation I had with moms, dads, teenagers about that relationship, that struggle, that feeling of being lost. 
I don't know where we went wrong with my son or daughter. I don't know where I missed a turn. I don't know what I did wrong, but here I am, and I'm lost. Or talking to a young, boy, young, young man or young woman about a dating relationship they're in, or they want to be in, they're like, I'm not sure how I ended up in this situation, but I'm lost right now. I don't know how to get back. I don't know what to do. Or have conversations with kids who are struggling with drug use. I don't know where I ended up in a situation where I'm stealing from my parents. I don't know how I got here. And that feeling of being lost is kind of what this whole message came from. You know, getting lost in the woods and all that fun stuff is, is real, but getting lost in life is a reality that a lot of people go through. And we're not sure how to get back. You know, maybe you're using an atlas for life. You're using some outdated, you know, software without a return trip, and you're not, you're not sure how to go. But the end result of those conversations for me with a lot of those people were I'm doing the best I can with what I'm given. I'm not sure how to be a parent. I'm not sure how to be a boyfriend. I'm not sure how to be a dad. I'm doing the best I can with what I've been given. And there's a verse in Proverbs that says, there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. And I'm not talking, it's not physical death. It's an emotional death, in my opinion. When you, you do the best you can, there's a way that seems right, you do what you think is best, and you end up in a place where you're dying emotionally because you're lost. You die an emotional death long before physical death, so you're in that place of being lost. You're emotionally you're emotionally dead because everything you've hoped for. I don't believe every parent has a kid and goes, gosh, I can't wait to screw this kid up. I don't think any kid enters into a dating relationship and goes, gosh, I can't wait to have a kid out of wedlock. Or my goodness, I can't wait to be addicted to drugs because my friends will think I'm... No one sets out to ruin their life. But we do the best we can with what we've been given and at the end of that, sometimes the way that seems right to us, it's death because we end up lost. Everything we hope for is deferred. And I put a verse in, the, in your outline. You can look at that. Hope deferred makes your heart sick. And that's also in Proverbs. So the things you hope for, the things you long for, the things you dream about, the last thing you think of before you go to sleep, when that is deferred, your heart gets sick. And you live in a life, the first blank in your outline, of resignation. When you live life without hope, you live in resignation. You quit. You don't think there's any hope of getting back to the course you want to be on. There's no hope for my son. There's no hope for my marriage. There's no hope for my career. There's no hope for my finances. The hopes you have, when they're deferred, it makes your heart sick and you live a life of resignation. And here's where the big idea kind of comes in. We'll stop. I'll stop being so depressing, I promise. This is the big idea for your message. No matter how lost you get, no matter what situation you find yourself in right now, some of you might be thinking of situations right now, we can never be so off course in life that God is unable or unwilling to reroute us towards his intended destination. There's two words that are key in that. Unable, God's able. He's able. And a lot of people don't question his ability. A lot of people question his willingness. And let me tell you today, he is willing to reroute you towards his intended destination. He's able and he's willing. No matter where you're at, we can never, everyone say never, never be so off course in life. I don't care what it is. God is more interested in your future than your past. God did not create you with your past in mind. He created you with your future in mind. We will get there if we allow him to be able and willing to reroute us towards his intended destination. And you might be thinking about whatever. Allow me to tell you a story about it's not just people that aren't Christians. As Pastor highlighted, as Christians, we still sin, make mistakes, get off course. Exhibit A. Okay? When I transitioned out of youth ministry here, it wasn't because it was time. Believe me, it was time. But it wasn't my time. I put myself in a position where I got lost. 
things I hoped for, things I wanted, things I longed for. I thought if I did ministry for this many years, God would think this of me. My life would then be this. Or people would think this of me. Or pastor would think this of me. I had hopes that were deferred. They weren't the right hopes, but they were my hopes. And because they got deferred, my heart got sick and it trickled through every area of ministry for me. To the point where Pastor Derek and his wife Stacy sat me and Lilia down, or Lilia and I for your grammar police. And we had probably the toughest conversation I've ever had in my life. Where we all agreed that at this point, Jason, because of where you're at, this ministry needs to go on without you. And, and, and let me just say from the front, that was handled with grace and love. But it was the hardest thing for me to hear. Not because he was wrong. <laughs> we all agreed. In some weird way, I was waiting for it to happen. But there's a place you get where you're lost and you leave people with no choice but to kind of distance themselves a little bit. So that ministry transition for me was hard. You know, I, I felt like a failure. I have failed. I am a failure. Pastor Ernie, I don't know if he's here right now. I hope he'll be here second service because I'd love to see him. But he tells me, and he said this to me since I first started coming to this church nine years ago, which is nuts. Failure is an event, not a person. But I didn't get that right away. So I felt like a failure there, all right? So my ministry transition, tough conversation with Pastor Derek and Stacy. I failed, I'm here. Remember this, okay? Put a pin in this, we're gonna get back to it. I have props I wanna go through for a second. Have you guys ever noticed that God likes to speak to you in kind of the terms of whatever, you know, phase of life you're in? Bless you. Such a cute little sneeze. Whatever, um, whatever phase of life you're in, God likes to speak to you in. I know when I got married, I heard God differently talking about marriage and forgiveness and unconditional love. My wife loves me unconditionally. I didn't get that. Whew, man, I'm pathetic. <laughs> but my wife's, my wife's pregnant, so I'm thinking about having a daughter. Holy moly, am I hearing God differently. I love that thing more than I love anything, and it's not even here yet. Like, I haven't seen it. I haven't looked into her face, but I can't wait to bless that baby. But I can't wait to teach her things either in a loving way. But I had a dog. We got a dog. I have a German Shepherd puppy. She's two and change. This dog, in a weird little way, changed my life. Being responsible for something else is a, is a big deal. You can make fun of me if you're not dog people. I don't care. <laughs> but this is her collar. Some of you are already looking at that going, oh my gosh, is that pointed? What is that barbaric device? I thought he said he loves his dog. <laughs> this, is her, this is her prong collar. It's called a prong collar. My, my dog's about 70, 75 pounds. My wife is <laughs> not much more than that. So you can't, you can't corral a German shepherd that's determined on a flat collar. You just can't. You know, you just can't. So this, you know, it looks evil. I get it. Looking at it without the why, you see the what right now, so it looks weird. These are not punctured. I don't pull on it, and she bleeds out and go, guess we need a new dog. <laughs> Doesn't happen. <laughs> Doesn't happen. All right, but this thing self-corrects. We put it on her when she was a puppy, and she used to love to dart and run at stuff. We put it on the pet store, and she went to run. She burp! Something, okay. And she just sits. It self-corrects. I don't have to pull on it. Even at 70, 75 pounds, she gets a little bit ahead of me, a little flick of the wrist, and she comes right back to my side. I love walking down a sidewalk where I'm, you know, we're coming towards it like a shih tzu or a little chihuahua that's like, <laughs> and I got an 80-pound dog that's just walking. How's that going for you? You, know? you might want to go ahead and cross the street. My dog's really rowdy. It's just, I love it. But looking at it like this, looking at it separate, you guys don't understand it. It looks evil. 
It looks mean. Someone who loves their dog would never put this on their dog. Let's take it up a notch. This is when she's off leash. Don't call it a shock collar. It's a remote collar. Come on. I was going to put it on and let Lilia hold the remote, but we had a little fight this morning or a discussion. So know that I trust her right now. <laughs> eight settings. All right, eight levels. Okay, this thing goes on Moxie's neck up to eight levels. I don't use it on level eight just to see what happened. And before I put it on my dog, let me set you at ease. I put it on myself up to level six. Whew. I wouldn't do a thing. Someone put this on level six. I would, I'm afraid to move. So, but my dog, Moxie, she can't multitask. She takes off after a deer, a squirrel, or, or you know, for goodness sakes, runs towards the street where there's traffic. Or just run towards a kid to play with him, and the kid's terrified. I need to be able to get her attention. She can't multitask. A dog will lock on something, and that's where it's going. I can yell all I want, Moxie! <laughs> she doesn't listen. So this is on her. I can call her level two, not level eight, not level six, level two. I can hit it. Slows her, oh, oh, hey, okay, coming right back. Therefore, I've saved the life of a deer, I've saved the life of my dog, and I've protected some little kid from being terrified about a 75-pound doofus running at her. <laughs> but if you look at this, it's just the what? You electrocute your dog, you imp, you barbarian. Someone call PETA right now. <laughs> if you look at it as a, as, a, as a device without seeing why I'm using it, it can seem mean, it can seem evil. He loves his dog. Why would he electrocute his dog? Those tools placed in the hands of someone who loves his dog can be used to train, teach, and as a result, she gets more time with me because she uses them. We can take her to Panera Bread. John Simpson knows I take her to get my oil changed. She hangs out and waits. I can walk her past a chihuahua. I can walk her to a kid who's terrified of dogs, make her sit so he can pet her, and maybe they can see that not all dogs are bad. Those devices that elicit fear and insecurity and stress in the hands of someone who loves the dog can be so life-altering, life-enriching, and life-changing. Go back to my ministry transition. It was easy for me to take a step back and look at my transition and say, God, you love me. Why would you let this happen? Square peg, round hole. I don't get this. You love me, but you're allowing me to feel like this? My ministry transition, placed in the hands of a loving God, Life-altering, life-changing, life-enriching. Everything you experience in life is filtered through the hands and fingers of a God who loves you. But when you're going through it, the last thing you want is someone to be like, it's going to work out for good. In the moment, you don't want to hear that. I can't wait to celebrate with you on the other side of greatness. You don't want to hear it in the moment. You want to slap them in the face. You want it to go away because it's uncomfortable. You don't get it. It's a square peg, round hole. But when it's put in the hands of someone who loves you, it can change your life. It can change your life. The why behind the what is key. The why behind the what is key. My dog gets more time with me. Romans 8.28 says, for, for, I can work for the good. God works for the good in all things for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. That verse, in that moment, I didn't love. But on the other side, <laughs> I see it. And allow me to encourage someone in here today. 
I know if I'm going to sit up here and say it's going to work out for good, can't wait to celebrate with you on the other side of greatness, you're going to look at me and think you have no idea what I'm going through. And I'm going to say to you, God does. God does. And before it ever reached you, it went through his hands of love. And he loves you more than I ever loved my daughter or my dog. And someone in here needs to hear that. He loves you more than I love my dog. More than I love my daughter. And before it ever reached your life, it was filtered through his hands. Because he wants to use it. He didn't send it. He allowed it. Either it's because of my choices, our choices, someone else influencing our life, whatever, or the enemy who wants to steal, kill, and destroy. He allowed it because he wants to use it. Flip the script, as Devin would say, to show you that he's there and he can change and use it for greatness and life change. Let me get into my points and I'll let you go. To be rerouted, there needs to be redemption. The way to be rerouted is by being redeemed. Jesus died on the cross so we could be redeemed. He absorbed everything he absorbed so we could be redeemed. He rose from the grave so we could be redeemed. He sits on the right hand so we can be redeemed. He doesn't look at you and see failure. He doesn't look at you and see your mistakes. He sees the blood of Christ. Embrace who you are. Embrace that God doesn't see your past. The devil wants to remind you of it, and you might not be able to shake it, but God sees your future when he sees you. You were what he envisioned when Jesus died on the cross. He envisioned you. Do you get that? He saw you and me and churches all over the world that would be his bride, and he said, yes, God, I will take this cup. So why can he not filter a little life struggle? And believe me, hear my heart. I'm not minimizing what you're going through. You know I would never do that. Because if anyone were to do that to me when I was in it, ask some people in here how I handled it. (laughs) But allow someone who's on the other side to encourage you a little bit today. A little bit. Four points. Why would God reroute me? Why would he send Jesus to die? Why would Jesus raise himself from the dead? So he can redeem your past, your present, your future. That's your first blank. Past, present, and future. My past. A lot of us are hung up on our past. We get that. I, oh, my past is bad. I need a savior. God didn't just save you from something. He saved you for something. God's billboard is not, look at what she did before me. It's look at what she's going to do with me. Past, present, future, redeemed, under the blood, no more. Stop thinking about your past. You don't know what it is. I don't need to. Nothing is too big. You can never be so off course in life that God cannot reroute you towards his intended plan. Never. Well, you don't know what I've done. Never. Nothing is unforgivable. Your present, whatever you're going through right now, forgivable. Your future, you don't even know what you're going to do later. It's forgivable. Redeem your past, your present, your future. Second thing, So he can reconcile you to relationship with him. I love the wall words here. Faith, family, and friends. This church is about relationship. Your God is about relationship. He wants you to be reconciled to him, restored. The analogy pastor talked about with his wife in their discussion. Pursuing being in right standing, not being right. Never compromising your ability to make a difference because you make a point. God wants to be reconciled into relationship with you. Without the redeeming love of Christ, without his sacrifice, that can't happen. 
So when we accept that, when we're rerouted, our relationship is instantly reconciled. It might not feel it, but you and I cannot be dictated by our feelings. We can be aware of our feelings, but we cannot become our feelings, otherwise we will never see. Be aware of your feelings. Don't become your feelings. Your relationship with God is reconciled. Third thing, and I hope this is what I'm doing today, so you can refresh someone else with your story. Proverbs says, if he, he who brings refreshing will himself be refreshed. Your story, the very thing you're hoping to avoid, get rid of, just get out of your life because it's a struggle, is the one thing that God wants to use so you can refresh someone else with that story. You might want to hide it, not admit to it, bury it in the past so it can sprinkle out like it did with me when I was in ministry. But God wants to use those things to refresh someone else. We need to be rerouted. One more story, one more point, and I'll let you go. We have a bad, I have a bad sense of direction. We've covered that. <laughs> um, when I was going to the mall in high school, coming home from whatever mall it was, I forget what mall we went to when we grew up in Douglas, but <laughs> it was near Route 95 or 195. I'm not sure. Surprise. <laughs> um, <laughs> I know you're laughing with me, not at me. I know this. So I'm coming out of the mall, and I see New York. And I freak out, you know, like, why? We're in New York. My car's an 81 Chevy Malibu. I don't know how much gas. I got the gas gauge is breaking. My tires are bald. What are we going to do? We're in New York. Slow down. A friend that was with me was like, just relax. That's just the direction. That's Boston. Go that way. <laughs> and what I want to tell you is there's times in our life where we can be sidelined because of a direction, not a destination. There's things in your life right now you're looking at and you think you've arrived somewhere. There's no way you're getting home. It might just be a direction. Choose the right one. Do you have people in your life that can say, that's not a destination, that's a direction. Just go this way. Do you have people in your life that can say that to you? Direction versus destination. You have not arrived at a place you cannot get back from. You may be looking at something and you're so discouraged by it, you're so beat up, you're so defeated, you might think there is no hope because of this. That is not a destination, that's a direction. Go a different way. Go a different way. So your past, present, and future can be redeemed. So your reconciled relationship with God. So you can refresh someone else with your story, and here's the big one. So your legacy, as you know it, can be rewritten. Easter Sunday, um, at our church facility, we have a cafe called The Press. I was sitting in the press, and I was having a conversation with someone, and I could feel a woman kind of waiting to talk to me. So this conversation wrapped up, and, and this woman came over to say hello, and she said, Jason, I was like, yeah, you know, I know your dad. I said, okay. Um, and for those of you that know me, my mom remarried my dad when I was eight. My biological father left when I was two, never to be heard from again, until I got a call when I was 19 about his funeral being the next day. So I instantly thought she meant my dad, Dan, who's a barber in town in Northbridge. And, oh, you know Dan. No, I know Martin. Oh, okay. Um, she said, you know, we are Ann and Jim, who were my biological dad's uncle and aunt. We knew them for years. We were their best friends. You know, we knew your grandfather. Okay. It's so cool to see you where you're at. We would always try to get your grandfather to church. We would always try to get your 
father to church. I didn't really think about it in the moment because I didn't have time. But driving home, I thought about, you know, for me, I always thought my life was rerouted when my Christian stepdad married my mom, adopted us, changed our name, changed our identity. That's where my life was rerouted. But what I missed is that God has been after me and my family for generations. And here's what I want to tell you. You might not feel it. You might not know it. But God is not just after you. He's been after you. For generations. There are stories you are unaware of. And I pray one day someone is brave enough to tell you an Easter Sunday story like she told me about how God in heaven himself has been after your family. It's not just you. And it doesn't stop with you. It doesn't stop with me. God didn't want to reach me for me. He wanted to reach me for that right there. That's why my daughter can grow up different. And I want you to hear the same thing. This isn't about me. This isn't about you. It's about the future generations that come from your legacy. And God wants to rewrite it. You might think, this is me and this is who I am. I'm stuck here. Choose a different way. Get yourself into a small group. They're coming up. Put yourself in life with people who will encourage you. That's a direction, not a destination. You can do this. Let's be rerouted. Let's do this differently so the generations to come can be who God wants them to be. You stand to your feet and let me pray for you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Take notes, Dev. Head bow, eye closed. I mean, you know it's okay to laugh in church, right? Heads bowed, eye closed. Eyes, plural. God, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you so much for your love for these people. I pray in Jesus' name there is one person in this place that's encouraged. You are a God who wants to encourage and give a hope. May one person feel that today. Holy Spirit, I pray right now you're doing what I cannot do as every person has a private moment between them and God. There's two groups of people I want to address, and then I'm going to dismiss you. The first, first group, maybe you've never put your hope and trust in Jesus Christ. Maybe you're stuck at a destination or a direction, and you think it's a destination. Maybe your story is sidelined because you have no hope. Maybe you're living in resignation. I don't know what it is today, but God does. Maybe you've never given Jesus control of your life to change the direction of your life so you can end up rerouted towards the plan he's envisioned for you before you were born. I want to give you an opportunity to do that today. Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed. Please respect those to your right, left, and front and behind. Allow them to have a moment between them and God. You've never given your life to Jesus. That's going to change right now. And as a result, you will see a trajectory of your life change. Things won't be perfect, but you will have hope. You will have encouragement. You will have people that will reroute you, and God will reroute you towards his plan for your life. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Just raise your hand. You want to put your hope in Christ. I want to trust that Jesus died for me. I want to see that my life can be different because of what he did. Just raise your hand. No one's looking around. No one's looking around. Is there anyone today? I see that hand. Yep, I see that hand in the back. God bless you. Legacy rewritten. I see that one as well. 
I see this one in the front. Don't wait for people to do it. This is between you and God. Raise your hand. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out front. Is there anyone else? Redeemed their past, present, and future. Reconciled their relationships. Allowed their story to maybe refresh someone else. Legacy rewritten in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus, for those hands. Last group. Maybe you feel, maybe you've got your hope in Christ, but you feel lost with life. Maybe you need a GPS to reroute you. Maybe you're in a relationship that's not working. Maybe your marriage isn't what you hope it would be and you're living in resignation. Allow God to encourage you. Just raise your hand. You need to be encouraged this morning. I see all over the room. If you want to hear anything this morning, you're not alone. You're not alone. God sees you, my man. God sees you, young lady. God sees you. God, I thank you in Jesus' name for who you are. You can put your hands down, put them right on your heart and pray with me and believe things will change. God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for what you're capable of. Refresh these people in this place because of what you did in me. Allow it to be done through me. Allow them to have their past, present, and future redeemed, God. Allow them to see that their relationship with you is reconciled. May they refresh someone with the very thing they're embarrassed about. And most importantly, Lord Jesus, may their legacy be rewritten. May the future generations to come that start here be changed. May they grow up differently. May the church take its place because generations and legacies are rewritten. Father, I pray for those that may be here thinking, there's no way this this is about me. I know what it's like to be in that place of no hope. I know. And there was no person on a platform that could convince me otherwise, but the Holy Spirit can. And Lord, I ask that you do what only you can do in time so that one day that person that sits here right now and thinks there's no way can look someone in the eye and refresh them with their story because it was placed in the hands of a loving God. In Jesus' name, everyone said, thanks for being here. Appreciate it. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Jason. It's just great to have our legacies rewritten and our future is rerouted. So if you made a commitment to rewrite your legacy, perhaps you're praying for somebody, I really want to encourage you, fill out a connection card, put it in a box, one of the boxes is located in the rear of the sanctuary. Prayer works, your life will never.